May God add a blessing to the reading of his word this morning. As we open up the word today, we see that Paul continues on his second missionary journey. Paul and company now are at the city of Berea. In 1710, the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went to the Jewish synagogue. We see that they continue to do what they have done in the past. Is that when they arrive in the city, they go to the Jewish synagogue. The brothers, most likely are Jason, the one that Alan started with, who helped Paul and Silas last time in Thessalonica, but also were the ones who were tasked to keep, keep the peace in Thessalonica when some Jews opposed Paul and the message he is proclaiming. Most likely this meant to keep the peace uh, that in order to free themselves of being in jail and uh, not lose the money they had to put up for a bond uh, was to make sure that Paul and Silas and company left the city, which they did. And now they come to Berea, a city in Paul's day that was uh, one of the most populous cities in Macedonia. It's about 45 miles west-southwest of Thessalonica in an area in our world today that would be around the area where Greece, top of Greece is, uh, where the former nation of Yugoslavia was, and Bulgaria. So in that northern part of the, um, what we know as Greece today. And upon arriving at this city... We Again, we see that they went to the synagogue. And when they arrived there, they continued to do what they have done that we've seen. They went and spoke Jesus. And how do we know this? In verse 11, we see what the results were when of what they did in the synagogue. Verse 11, Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily, to see if these things were so. Luke, the author of Acts, who's writing this narrative, it's interesting how he highlights how well the word was received here in Berea. The word that Paul had shared with them was received well. Luke notes that these Bereans, Jews, were more noble than those of Thessalonica. That's like saying, the people in Forsberg are much more better than the people in Killam. <laughs> the reason why is they received the word with all eagerness. They welcomed Paul's message with great enthusiasm. These Jews of Berea examined the scriptures daily in order to see if these things that Paul and Silas were sharing were true. These Jews, in other words, showed an open-mindedness by searching, checking, and comparing the Old Testament scriptures. Really, these Jews had a simple, teachable attitude and determination but also they test all teachings that they had received, not by their own opinions, but by going through sacred scriptures. And in Acts 17.12, we hear what was the result of the message that Paul shared with them, what they had received with all eagerness, what they had carefully examined the scriptures to make sure that what Paul and Silas were sharing were true. Because in 17.12, it says, Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well of men. This is certainly a much different response than the ones, the response they had in Thessalonica, where not many Jews believed. 
actually a great number of Jews became jealous and forced Paul and Silas out of Thessalonica. Not only this, but the same thing is in Thessalonica and here in Berea, a sizable number of gentle, gentle men, Gentile men should say, came and women of high standing believed as well. We saw that was the case in Thessalonica. Now even though many came to faith in Berea, we see a similar pattern happening here that has happened uh, that happened in Thessalonica, but also has happened throughout the books of Acts in general. And we'll see it happening again, and we see see it through history that as the gospel moves forward, Satan pushes back because the enemy of God does not want people to be released from their captivity. Opposition against Paul and the message he was proclaiming comes, and it comes from actually an unlikely source that you wouldn't think would come from. Because the opposition that Paul and Silas faced didn't come from the synagogue, the other people in the synagogue in Berea, or even the city of Berea itself, but the opposition comes all the way from Thessalonica. But when the Jews of Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea, also they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. So that's like, again, people in Killam hearing something good happening at Forsberg, so they come down and start you know, thumping on Forsberg nights. You wouldn't expect it. These Jews came to stir up trouble. These are the same Jews that stirred up trouble in Thessalonica that we heard in 17.5. But the Jews were jealous and taking some wicked men of the rabble, the marketplace, they formed a mob and set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. Now Luke in his narrative here doesn't tell us how these jealous Jews in Thessalonica heard about what was going on in Berea. Perhaps the growing witness of the Berean church quickly reached as far as Thessalonica. Or maybe some troublemaker. Because every community has troublemakers, right? They just can't stand anything good that goes on. So he sent word to Thessalonica or somehow got a message up to the Thessalonica Jews because he knew there were some like-minded people there that were the sour pusses as well. And he told them to come down to Berea to cause trouble. And regardless of how they found out, that's what happened. These jealous Jews from Thessalonica who opposed the gospel traveled to Berea and upon arriving in Berea, they started to do what worked for them in Thessalonica. They started to stir up the crowds in order to turn the crowds in the city against Paul and against the gospel message. See, one thing we need to understand that this opposition that Paul and Silas faced in Berea was not just a lack of acceptance of the gospel, it wasn't just a we don't really care about God but this opposition was a direct attack against God and the gospel much like we've seen over the past few years in North America where a few have stirred up the crowds against God and against the gospel. Sadly, in our narrative today, we see that the Jews that came from Thessalonica that opposed the gospel, stirred up the crowds, they achieved their desired effect, at least to the peers. Since in the face of opposition, more importantly, in the risk of having the people of Berea have a negative perception on the gospel and on God, 
the brothers in Berea sent Paul towards Athens, a place that was much farther to the south. Berea is up there. That's the Greek wording of it. And they sent Paul all the way down here by ship. They got him out of Dodge pretty fast and pretty far away. Because they didn't want the crowds to get at Paul because they recognized the message he has was an important message. Verse 14, Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Now, again, with Paul and Silas, or Silas and Timothy remaining there, the gospel ministry did not end. It did not end until Paul called for these two men from Athens. 1715, those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. Now, we need to clarify, Paul never left this city because he was a coward. He never left this city because he was scared. Because we know from his other accounts of the, in the book of Acts that he was far from fearful. He was far from being very timid when it came to his courage of his heart. But this really speaks to Paul's wisdom, Paul's faith. Since he knew that even in the spite of bad circumstances that lead, led to his departure, God was still at work in their midst. Even as the enemy pushed back, to crush the gospel and the witness of the gospel ministry that Paul and Silas were having, he knew that God was still at work because in the end the gospel won. God won as he always does because he's God. Because not only have we seen the great number of converts here in Berea, but with Paul departing for Athens and Silas and Timothy staying in Berea, what do we see about this gospel that the enemy was trying to squash? It spreads. It's now being proclaimed in two places instead of one. The gospel witness is actually increasing in the face of opposition rather than diminishing. And this is something, again, we've seen through the book of Acts already. The stoning of Stephen, the persecution against the church, what happened? It sent believers all over the known world at that time and the gospel got spread further. What Paul being put in jail? Oh, that'll take care of the gospel and these guys who are proclaiming it. What happened? <laughs> a whole bunch of prisoners heard the gospel. The jailer and his family came to faith. In front of the city, he had the authorities repent for what they did wrong to him, therefore preserving the integrity of the gospel message. It's something that we'll, we have seen throughout history that when persecution comes, the gospel spreads. That's the way God works. Because of this then, we who are living in dark times, how many of us believe these are dark times? How many of us are fearful? How many of us are scared? How many of us think that the glory days of the church and Christianity and the gospel are in the rear view mirror? Not according to God. Because we can't have hope because God who acted this way in the past and not just one time but numerous times is the same God that's going to act in the future as well. Therefore we can have hope. 
Any of us lacking hope today? Maybe not in the, the big picture that I just described, but any of us frustrated that we're growing old? Any of us frustrated that our kids are leaving home? <laughs> any of us frustrated with watching the news? See, we live in a time and a place and culture where God in Christ and the gospel, and hope not to wake you up this morning and surprise you, are opposed. That we are a minority now. And culture, culture or and, and society is not just opposed in a in a little way, but they're greatly opposed. It's not a case anymore that people are just not interested in God or tuned out to God. But they are proactively, militarily opposed to God, Jesus, and this one and true gospel that we proclaim. Not just when it comes to themselves, but they don't want anybody to hear about it. It's been going on 50, 60 years, really. Because the product of the, the 56 years ago are now teaching in, our sem- or teaching in our universities. Some are even teaching in our seminaries. There's a whole movement out there that don't want anybody even to consider that God is. That this gospel that we speak about, that's being spoken about, should never be allowed. It's here with our time, the situation that we're here in North America, and Paul's ministry actually in Berea intersect with one another. Intersect since like in our day and age, this, there was a group in Berea, the Jews from Thessalonica, uh, who were diametrically opposed to this gospel and against its spreading. So much they traveled to Thessalonica, to Berea, to, to, to attack and quash out Paul's ministry there. There's groups like that even in Alberta. There's groups like that even in our small towns. In our time, even though with so many people utterly opposed to this good news, we need to be encouraged this morning from this passage. Since we see again and we know that God uses opposition just like we're facing in 2017, just like Paul experienced to advance the gospel, to further his kingdom. So, like Paul, like the believers in Berea, with wisdom, we need to discern how to deal with the opposition that we're going to face and we are facing as the bearers of the light. At the same time, who are called to move the gospel forward despite the pressures that are against us. Because we're called to be witnesses when times are easy, when times are tough. So what may we learn from Paul's example today, that we've seen throughout the the book of Acts so far, we'll see through the remainder of the book of Acts, that we keep being witnesses despite of the darkness around us. We keep being the salt and light of the earth that we're called to be. We keep being the ambassadors we have been called to be. Now, 
we also learn something from the Ebreans to help us stand in these dark times that we're living in. These are dark times. If we see the example the Bereans give us, then we can apply those examples in our lives and stand more firmer. They exhibit several positive characteristics in their example. Not only in how they responded to this gospel, but how they stood strong and faced opposition because the opposition didn't go away when Paul left to Athens. The opposition stayed there. Again, the Bereans were considered more noble by the author of Acts, Luke. How can we be more noble? Well, first thing, let us yeah, be more noble. Not noble compared to someone else. Like I know Luke does that. And we have a wiring to think that we're doing okay if I'm just a little bit better than so-and-so, right? You ever seen that commercial or they've heard that story about two tribesmen out on a walk and they run across a lion? And they both get down to pray and the one tribesman is praying, Dear God, don't let this lion eat me. And the next tribesman is praying, praying, Dear Lord, this helped me a little bit, a little bit faster than my brother next to me. <laughs> We always try to compare ourselves and think that we're better than somebody else, but that's not the nobleness that Luke is mentioning here. The nobleness, again, is that these Bereans loved the Word of God. They filtered everything through Scriptures with eagerness, examining the Scriptures daily to see if these things were so. If we want to stand firm, want to be more noble, are we coming to God's Word frequently with eagerness? Are we filtering everything about life and living through Scripture. Are we checking with God? With the choices that we face? With what we should be doing with ourselves, as these Bereans did, to be in line with what God wants us to hear? Do we understand? Do we obey God's Word? Are we filtering everything we hear through God's Word? Not everything we hear is true or right. Again, the Bereans did this and they saw they were seen as the positive example of how a person community should respond to the times that they're in. The second thing the Bereans helped and protected fellow believers. Who were the ones who got Paul out of Dodge? It was Bereans. They didn't do their faith in isolation from other believers. They understood that in the vision collectively they were the body of Christ. And when Paul's safety was threatened, these Bereans helped and protected Paul by getting him out of town fast and quietly. They just didn't turn around and walk away from Paul because he got in trouble. Let him deal with it. He made the mess. Let him deal with it on his own. You know, he made his bed, let him sleep in it. But they acted swiftly, without any regard personally to how it would play out for them. And notice they didn't just get Paul out of Dodge. But they went the extra mile. They got Paul or out of the county, out of the country, into Athens. 
if we want to stand strong as a body of Christ, we need to support one another. Which is so countercultural to this individualistic North America culture that we live in. The third thing we learn from this Bereans is that we need to continue to grow in our faith. Because after Paul departed, Silas and Timothy stayed in Berea, and the question, and we answered it, why did they stay? Well, one of the reasons they stayed is there was a young church there that needed instructions, they needed teaching, they needed pastoral shepherding. And that's the role that Silas and Timothy played to help grow these new Christians. Down through the ages, the Trembreans have meant a group of growing Christians. People took on the titles Bereans because they want to grow in their faith. Uh, there was a group a couple of years ago we met in, in Banff. Uh, it was a pretty incredible living room that we were sitting in. It was a kind of round living room with a fireplace and the view and it had glass on the all whatever sides the turret was. Glass on the roof and, and then seeing the mountains. And These guys in, in Banff at that time were getting up at 5 in the morning before they went to work to spend an hour reading scripture to one another. And they were talking after a year of doing that and the incredible growth that they saw in their own personal lives and how much they saw God moving in their midst. And finally, the final thing that we can learn from these Bereans about how they remain strong in the midst of opposition is something that we see play out later in the book of Acts is that these Bereans produce workers. Because in the book of Acts, in Acts 20, we're given the example of the faithless of at least one Berean man. The Apostle Paul, and we'll get, this, we'll get there when we look at Acts 20, later Paul decides to return to the Macedonian region. Paul was a known force. He was a known wanted man. He shows up. Do you think he would still face opposition? Uh-huh. But he went there anyways... Be, and we see that when he went, and when we'll see when he goes in Acts 20, that there's another a man that goes with him. He was a Brianite. He was from Brian. That over the course of time, these Brians start to produce workers and send them out. They train, they release, and produce the least and more likely workers for the harvest field. If we want to stand strong today in the midst of huge opposition. We must be producing workers. In the terms of pastors and missionaries, of course, and other full-time ministry workers, but also in terms of lay people and volunteers who have all been given gifts and talents and abilities to further the work of this one and only gospel. Because this gospel is how people are freed, are they not? But amidst of opposition, what have we seen in North America? That moms and dads are not telling Johnnies and Beckys to become pastors and become missionaries, but doctors and lawyers. And that's noble. But Jesus says the harvest fields are ripe, the workers are few. If we want to stand and face opposition, then we must send workers towards that opposition that are trained and skilled that can help influence.
because I believe one of the reasons we have we are in the times where we are now is about 50 years ago, in the boomers' generation, we started having kids, and we bought into the American dream, and sent our kids off to secular schools. They got great careers, they've had a great life, but had very little time to proclaim this Jesus. These Bereans understood that if they wanted to get in the game and stay in the game, they had to release their people to go do what Acts 1.8 tells them and tells us to do, to be my witnesses. Just a, a few insights from today's passage, how we can stand strong in the midst of this opposition that we're facing. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this gospel. We thank you again that you've called us to something that the victory has already achieved, the victory has already has, but we still fight the battle. So help us wage war against the enemy well, Lord. And through it, let your name be glorified your kingdom advanced here in this earth as it is in heaven. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.